All right, so this uh, nice new CEO of a company comes into work determined to turn things around. Uh, he's trying to prove to himself, to his new employees, that he looks, and, and he looks around the office and he, and he sees a guy leaning against a wall doing nothing. So he approaches the guy and he asks him, hey, what do you think you're doing? <laughs> it's not, the joke's not done yet. No, but... Uh, <laughs> you like the, like the setup. That sounds like Caltrans. All right, all right. So he goes up to the guy, what, dude, what do you think you're doing? And the man replies, you know, I'm just killing time. When did you get paid? And the CEO is furious. This is exactly what he doesn't want, right? He wants to change. Yeah, listen, you, what do you make a week? And the man tells him, about 200 a week. The CEO pulls out his wallet and hands the man $400 and says, there's your two weeks notice. Now get out of here, now. And after the man leaves, he turns to his employees and asks, what do you think about that? So one of the employees stands up and says, I think he just got the largest tip anyone's ever gotten on a single pizza. <laughs> Delivery boy, <laughs> that's how he was. He's killing time waiting to get paid. So uh, I like that one a lot. It's, it's a good one. But it, it reminds me of what we're, we're going to be talking about. Okay, and that is the, the recent flack on the whole issue of was Trump wiretapped? Was he not wiretapped? Uh, is this surveillance and so on like that? And, okay, going back to, to the basic gist of the story, he tweets out, uh, I think sometime about a month ago, we're, now we're two talking. Two weeks ago. Two, oh, is that, okay, it seems yeah, like a lot longer. Well, coming up on three weeks ago, basically two Saturdays ago. Okay, whatever. So early March, he makes this tweet basically saying, I can't believe that I've been wiretapped by the Obama administration, outrageous, or something like that. And uh, that sets off a flurry of activity in the media. Uh, and it turns out, that at first they, they immediately claim that there's no basis for this, no basis, no basis. And they say that, you know, almost instantaneously upon his, his tweet, which is a little bit irresponsible. They may very well want to say, why is he saying this? You know, we'd like to know what prompted him to say such a thing, Mr. President. But they don't ask that question. They just immediately say that there's nothing to substantiate it. Now, Ari, you made a good point offline to say there's never been a time uh, where he sends one of these tweets out that does not have some teeth to it. And in fact, it, it, he's never ended up saying something that is completely uh, out of whole cloth. Well, let's revise that a little bit. Um, I'm not talking about his opinions. I'm not talking about his opinions on this or that thing. Right. Or things he may have stated during the heat of a campaign in which sometimes fast information gets ahead of facts. But once he was elected, ever since November 8th slash November 9th, nothing that has come out of his wild Twitter fingers or his mouth has turned out to be false. Nothing. And when he said that I will provide you the corresponding information in a couple days or something like that, he always has come through. He delivers. Usually before the drop-dead date of his promise. Yeah. So if he says, I'll give it to you next week, he usually gives it in a couple days. Well, he certainly knows exactly what he's doing. He doesn't, it, it, as much as the left and the media, generally speaking, want to portray him as this bombastic, yeah, uh, shallow <laughs> d doofus who, who's a knee-jerk sort of guy, it turns out, you know, not so much. I mean, the, the, the classic example is the whole thing with what we talked about with... Um, What's her name? Rachel Maddow, right? That was brilliantly played. Okay, that was a great chess move on his part. Now, as you know, as we say in our law firm, right? Uh, liars always lie, cheaters always cheat, mean people are always mean, lazy people are always lazy. People act consistently. So on the one hand, you want to say that he, he, we all recognize now, even the lefties recognize that he, you know, pulled quite a stunt with Rachel Maddow. It was very carefully planned out. I thought it was brilliant. I, I hope that he was the one who, quote unquote, leaked uh, his own tax returns to uh, MSNBC. And, that, and then she gets hoisted by her own petard, right? But uh, they want us to believe, they understand that. And at the same time, they want to make it seem as if he's a doofus who doesn't think one, even one move ahead, even a half a move ahead. He just vents with emotion all of a sudden 
as if, not possible. As I said, people act consistently. And this is what we're seeing now. So let's get, let's get to the big picture again. Um, the, the fact is that his tweets are usually with substance. And something has gone awry for the, for the left. They had insisted that there was nothing to this, but their, their insistence is so dramatic. It's very interesting. And now there is an FBI investigation. Now there is investigation by the Republicans about the wiretapping. Oh, and oh, looky here. There's a New York Times article that was posted in January 19, on January 19 of, of this year, 2017, saying that there was wiretapping of, of the oh, Trump, Trump team. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, it turns on the Internet version, it's a little different. Whether they scrub that or not is another thing altogether. But nevertheless, there it is. Yeah, okay. And then on the 20th, not only is there an article in the New York Times, it's on the front page. Right, the front page. The day of his inauguration. I thought it was the 19th. No, there were two. Oh, okay. There was one on the 19th, not front page necessarily, but then the 20th one is on the front page. Yeah. So, so anyway, so we have this, and like, well, why are you saying it's a wiretapping, Mr. New York Times, if there is a, if there is a Mr. New York Times, right? As if it's one person. But why are you saying that? Okay, so clearly there's something going on there. For, for, for nothing happening, for there being no there there, there seems to be a lot of activity to try to find the there or to, to negate the there. So obviously, obviously there is something there. And, and then it comes out today. And there's already been reports leading up to it. But Nunez, a Republican from what, what's, where is he from? California. California, He's that's the right. Chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, who is running the James Comey investigation. Yes, yes, yesterday. there you now, go. One other thing I want to wait, add. Wait, wait, wait let me, let me. Let, this is, this is important. I know it's is important, it? but let me finish, okay, let me finish. Ahead. So, because I want, we want to talk about what the report is, because people are hanging on to find out what the report is. So Nunez is basically saying, you know what? There was, in fact, surveillance of the president uh, and before he was president. And they're suggesting that at the very least, it was incidental collection of information, but there was surveillance. Okay. Oops. Right? So now, uh, Facebook oh, and, and, and all the social yeah, media will now... To, you have to repeat that part because you kind of glossed over that word. At the very least, that's it right. was incidental. Right. I, Meaning, I, I'm with you. I know you understand that, but for the audience... That's why I said at the very least. ...beginning into fights with their liberal family members. I can't work under these conditions. This is just, I quit. I'm leaving. You, uh, I'm just, I'm tired of this. Okay. My okay, bye. <laughs> no, I'm kidding Barack, around. Barack won't be. <laughs> oh, wait, is this thing on? <laughs> uh, one anyway, no, no. Yes. I, I, I said my words carefully. At least incidental collection, which of course suggests that there may very well be more. And we're conservative in our approach. We are not alarmists. We do not just throw out charges you know, where we might have egg in our face later on about that. I, I like to be able to say that our predictions are pretty solid. And good for now, knocking on wood, we, uh, our, our track record regarding predictions is pretty damn good, including the prediction of Trump being president, among many other predictions that we've made. If, any, if we're ever wrong, and I put that in quotes, it's that our predictions happen faster than we predict them. Yeah, sometimes we're not prepared for the speed of the <laughs> that's, world. That's, that's right. <laughs> yeah, but but, but we're, we're being very uh, conservative in our estimate of how long something... You know, we'll say, we think in 10 years' time, and then it happens that next week. Boom! Like, that, that, I mean, it was really incredible that one thing we, we caught that it literally happened one week later. And we thought it was going to be five years from then, but... I think it was the transgender issues. Yeah, I think it had to do with the normalizing of pedophilia. In yes, yes, you're right. Exactly right. Okay, so yeah. um, the the whole thing about the, the Elise thing. Look, I, they're massaging these words and they're saying, okay, incidental collection and Facebook and, and, and Twitter and other, otherwise will, you know, the, the Democrats will jump on those words, incidental collection. You know, that's like saying... You know, I incidentally, I killed your, your daughter because, you know, I was shooting some guns and I didn't mean to kill her, but, you know, she's dead. So you should feel good because it was an incidental murder. Yeah, right? I didn't mean it. Yeah, so, just collateral yeah, damage. No, no big whoop, yeah. right? But, of course, if, if Israel goes into uh, Gaza and, and doesn't, uh, you know, strategically and surgically kill only the bad guys and, and only when, after they've confessed to being a bad guys and, uh, and still engage in warfare— 
that's the only time Israel can kill anybody, they right? Have their bullets bend around any human. Exactly shield. right. Exactly right. Now so, you might want to also mention the unmasking issue, which is the other. I'll side get to of that. that. I'll get to that. Okay, but I first want to relay the story. So this is, so so, the the notion that there, in fact, has been incidental collection of information, as they call it. I, I say that that's a whole bunch of nonsense. It's like saying collateral damage is just incidental damage. It's not. It's, it's, like it's saying, very real. It's like saying Lois Lerner uh, operated entirely on her own. Yeah, of course. Of course. It's just incidental that, it just that these, that these uh, 501c3 conservative organizations uh, were targeted. No big whoop because, you know, no, 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 no matter. They lost all their funding and otherwise people's lives were ruined. It was just incidental. So go home and feel good about that right. because your president didn't actually do the, the marching orders. Yeah, and hint, the, hint, yes, he did. And Susan Rice didn't intentionally lie on those five morning shows of course. about Benghazi. It's a bunch of garbage, <laughs> yes, right? And that's the exactly. whole point. And, and Obamacare, we didn't intentionally, I mean, to deprive <laughs> right. you of your doctors and your policies and your premiums going up. <laughs> but it happened. Oh, okay, well, so, so long as that didn't happen intentionally, here's my extra $2,500 in premiums. Here's my, right. you know, it, it's, it's all absurd. Okay. And we didn't intend on Solyndra wasting all of your money. Right, just, exactly. Yes, we didn't intend the economy to go, you know, go south. All right. Um, so I, I, I want to get to back to the main picture, which is it, it begs the question, incidental collection. And now we're going to get to the unmasking portion of it. The incidental collection means that, well, first of all, how was this information collected incidentally? And then why was it leaked? Okay. So... If you are in a FISA warrant situation and you're uh, listening to conversations that you find suddenly involve a candidate for the president of the United States and then ultimately the president of the United States, uh, what are you supposed to do? You know, you, you, here's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to ignore it. You're supposed to say, okay, no counties. Okay, it's a little bit like, I'm a lawyer, if, if by a mistake somebody includes attorney-client privilege communication in a stack of document production, for example, I'm supposed to alert the opposing counsel, give them back that piece of paper, or if it's an email, to delete that email and inform them that I've done so. Okay? That's the way it works. Attorney, so highly sensitive communications. And it's, yes, I understand it's hard for, for the, the viewer, the reader, to unread what he read. Got it. But nevertheless, you can't use it as a weapon in court. Okay? Are we clear on that? Same thing here. When it comes to the FISA warrant issue, as I understand it, and you stumble upon something that affects a citizen of the United States, you cannot use that. Okay? And you certainly can't leak the information. Yeah, and you're talking about a FISA warrant situation involving U.S. citizen that is not, not, not connected <laughs> to a massive terrorist operation of some sort. Right. Like, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, a FISA court was approached under the idea that national security was threatened, and then you wiretap a guy and you pick up his uh, grocery list from Whole Foods or Ralph's, you have to delete it. That's right. You don't leak it to the media. Yeah, it's as simple as that. And so now they're going to say incidental collection, which we know is nonsense, like we just talked about. Yeah. Uh, and then they have to explain how was this leaked. It, it ain't cool what happened. So the question is who leaked it, right? What did they know and when did they know it? That sort of thing, right? And, and it was, the, the, no doubt they'll say it's some rogue agent. In that, Cincinnati. In Cincinnati, no less. Maybe it's the same two guys. <laughs> Who worked for Lois Lerner. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, just, we just, oops. you know, government programs, we can't fire them. We can't fire anybody. You know, they're, they're all like the guys from Scooby-Doo or, you know, the Keystone Cops. You know, they're just so goofy, those guys. <laughs> there was no intent here. No, no, Obama certainly would have, and Hillary certainly would have said, no, no, this is not proper. We uh, need to call the Trump campaign and tell them uh, that we've deleted all this information and uh, not to worry about this, right? No, that's, that's not going to happen. Not from the Hillary campaign, not from the Obama administration, nothing of the sort of would happen. Of course, of course, somebody bigger is behind this. Oh, Barack. Oh, Ari. Come on. You, you, you show your proof. I'd like to see that, Definitely Mr. Lurie. He just did. Well, he did, of course. <laughs> no, no. He didn't, he didn't show. He did not. He, it's, he did show that there was uh, incidental collection. 
what he didn't show was that Obama was behind it. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not New Year's. I'm sorry. The New York Times gave us that information <laughs> on the 19th and the 20th. I, I agree with you. I'm simply saying that's going to be the argument. Yeah. So, look, we take a conservative approach here, not just politically, but also from an information uh, dissemination point of view. I, I, I really want to gather meaning from what, we, what we're actually seeing right now. Okay? So, right now... I can tell you that there is a whole lot of there, there. There is tremendous substance to this issue. Somebody was trying to survey, if you want, if not specific wiretapping. They wanted to survey what Trump was saying, and they were using the FISA warrant as a pretext to do so. Why, you ask? Two things. Very easy to get it if you claim foreign terrorism is afoot, and so it's an indirect way of getting it. Like Very easy. Russia. Right. And then secondly, um, it's, it's secret. So you never have to disclose the basis for your request for that warrant. Meaning, the, or the judge who signed off, who requested yeah. and that it's a national security issue here. I can't tell you anything. That's right. Everything Ongoing is... investigation. Right. Yeah. Now, uh, Trump, on the other hand, it turns out, this is a shocker, it turns out he's now the president of the United States. Whoops. I, I'm telling you, know, I looked at, I researched it, and... This happened way back on November 8, 2016, yeah. a long time ago. But remember that there was an election then, and he became president, now we or elected president. Now we were so freaked out that Hillary lost, because if she won, all this stuff could be swept under the carpet. That's right. And we'd never see the light of day. And The president now has the authority to say, release that warrant, okay? Release the application. Now, it'll be very interesting, because he may very well want to do that, because I, I think he's, we've got tremendous, it cannot be good. Anybody who knows or sincerely believes that their application for a warrant in the, under FISA, that, that, that they know that it's super top-notch secret, uh, will be very loose with their phrasing, right? They, they will not be careful. They will not be as judicious about their application language as they would be if they knew that this might very well one day become a public record. So they have to be careful. I don't, I don't think that this is going to be very good for, for the Democrats at the end of the day. It probably has Barack Obama's absolutely zesty, flourish signature, you know, with the big B and that O with the embedded B. You know how he loves it, that signature? It, do, it doesn't have it. He spent a lot of time coming up with that signature. <laughs> I'll bet one of his, those signatures is on some document here. Yeah. Look, uh, it, all roads lead to Rome, as they say. At the end of the day, someone's going to talk, and it's going to be a, a big cluster you-know-what. Uh, I, I think justice should be done. The fact that they decided to survey somebody, and, and, and by the way, and then we'll wrap up to the next topic because it, it's all related to what we're saying. We're going to be talking about three things. They'll all be talking about how the... It's, you said wiretap, and it wasn't wiretapping. It was surve surveillance as if that's a big effing difference, right? It's the difference between saying I was, I was shot by a, a Magnum, you know, Colt 45 versus a rifle. I mean, who gives a crap? That's like saying <laughs> it's I a was, bullet. Yeah, I was shot by a high-powered rifle. That wasn't a high-powered. That was a normal round. Yeah. Yeah, but it still went ouch. Okay, <laughs> you, know? you, you just repeated my point, but yeah. okay. <laughs> you yeah, said exactly the, the same thing the I said. Emphasis. Yeah, the, the, it still hurts. It, that's and, the point. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, I don't think Ari is listening to my comparisons no, I am, sometimes. I am comparison. He says, rolling his eyes. <laughs> fine, fine, fine. Anyway, okay, so, so there is no difference. It's a distinction without significance, as we often say in law. And, but they'll, they'll be touting that for the longest time. And then finally we'll say, what you did is you were, you know, you were surveilling me. It was illegal. It was wrong. And this administration was behind it because you thought you could do anything, didn't you, Mr. Obama? That's the way these guys think. And one more issue about the unmasking that I think is, is important here is um, if this was incidental, then the unmasking would have never happened. What the unmasking means is to reveal the people who were surveilled, like one General Mike Flynn. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because... You That's a good this point. It's a good point. It's incidental. You throw it out. You don't leak it to the press. And the people who leaked it to the press had to know that they had some sort of high-level clearance as far as getting, uh, not getting in trouble for this. 
right. in order to feel safe doing it. Right. Now, putting aside the fact that there, that Flynn didn't really do anything wrong, other than, I mean, lying to the vice president, that was a separate issue. That was the main issue for, for me, that, that he shouldn't have lied. But putting that aside, uh, they did nothing wrong. But <clears throat> it's a little bit like uh, in law and criminal procedure. Most people know about this. If it's called fruit of the poisonous tree. If you are a police officer and you fake a warrant, for example, and then you, then you go uh, bust into somebody's apartment and then discover cocaine, you know, that, 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 the, that the perp actually has in his, in his uh, apartment, the court will say, no, can't, can't include that. We, we are going to invalidate the whole findings of whatever you got in, in that warrant search. We're going to invalidate everything because the warrant itself was invalid. Likewise here. It's exactly the same thing, right? They create this FISA warrant. It was improperly obtained. They got incidental collection. They should have just shut it down. And then they leaked it, right? So no one's asking the, the, that question. But then they say, oh, well, the court of public opinion and all that crap. No, it doesn't work that way. There's a whole bunch of different things that you can, can do, but, but, but the court of public opinion doesn't justify doing these unlawful actions. Especially if you stoked the court of opinion. Yes. You stacked the deck of the judge of yeah. the court of opinion you, you can't, by leaking and yeah. using the media, the supine media to do your dirty work. Yeah, you cannot cleanse this wrongful behavior by then saying, well, we found some juicy stuff later. Okay, that's, and, and beside the fact that it was not juicy. But let, let, I want to move on to a different topic, and, and I, I won't even pretend that's connected, but everything's connected in politics to some extent. Uh, one of the things that we're seeing a lot of is a lot more violence out there in the street, right? We, we had the Berkeley riots, for example, with the, the Milo thing. We had the, the Facebook Live beating up of the Trump supporter. And for that matter, we have a lot of uh, people being beaten up merely because they're Trump supporters, right? And this is, uh, this is very alarming. I mean, there's a recent one. I forget where it was. Maybe you'll remember the, the University town. University of Minnesota yes. happened. It was a story from yesterday. Yes. Conservative students no longer feel safe on campus. Remember, campus is supposed to be a safe space for everyone? Uh, no, no. This is, that's an old story. But I think maybe two or three days ago, people were spat on. They were beaten up. Um, this is, uh, I think it was in the East Coast somewhere. Put that aside. I mean, these, these guys were really taunted. Oh, that was the story out of Maine with the, uh, the, the speaker who was beaten up and they beat up the professor who was trying to protect him when she escorted him to the car. Yes. So, you know what? Uh, the is, there's so many, there's so many of these. We don't know. Yes. You, you might as well say it's New Jersey and, and there's another story there too. Uh, it, it's everywhere and people don't pick up on it. And, and as soon as you say, well, this is horrific. Look at what you lefties are doing. Then the only response they have is, well, you guys do it too. To which we have to say, give me examples, please. And then to which they say, there was once a guy who blew up an abortion clinic and some a doc, abortion doctor got killed. Isn't that horrible? Oh, yeah, it's exactly the same thing. Yeah, same in numbers and same in actual intensity. No, it's not. And it's it, not. And it was it's, 30 years ago. <laughs> it's, it's not the same thing. But they'll always have that, you know, and, and because... I mean, it's amazing that it's so little in, in, our, in our department. And that's assuming that that abortion um, you know, idiot, the guy who killed the abortion doctor, was conservative. That's assuming it, right? I mean, they automatically assume it. But maybe, how about this? How about he was just crazy, all right? And he thought he was doing something or he's hearing voices in his head. Don't tell me he was conservative, but let's say he was. Okay, so that's one versus hundreds of thousands of people being beaten up, sometimes killed sometimes raped, sometimes tortured, sometimes humiliated, merely because they're conservative. This is, this is the, the planet we're on right now. And, and if you're a liberal, listen to this, please give me more examples of how the conservatives are taunting and doing these horrific things to liberals, that liberals are somehow feeling unsafe in, in, in the red states. Okay, let's go, let's go there. Uh, Utah's a classic red state. Alaska's a red state, right? Give me examples where liberals are being tormented, where they're being raped or they're being accosted or humiliated in, in, in any way like, like what we're seeing in Berkeley. Give me examples where there, there are demonstrations or riots, where the police have to be called out to stop those crazy conservatives. Give me. You won't be able to. But the larger question is the question that Ari uh, raised. You know, when you think of Mahatma Gandhi, 
and you think of Martin Luther King Jr., uh, you think of Rosa Parks, you think of nonviolence, right? That's the almost like a, a word association game, right? Martin Luther King, nonviolence, non <laughs> right? Uh, Gandhi, nonviolence. Non <laughs> John Lennon, give peace a chance, nonviolence, uh, that sort of thing, right? Should have stayed in the Beatles. Yeah. The music <laughs> That's right. Uh, you can't help it. He's a natural bone lever puller. That's, I'm not bad in my Beatles impressions, no, it's right? Too good. It's, it's good. It's good. Yeah, I'm it's good just, at this it's stuff. It's just disturbing. <laughs> it's disturbing how good it is. Yeah. I know. I was such a big fan of the Beatles, so I, I, I can imitate the Beatles so well. I, I even had a different voice for Paul versus John. Oh, I can actually make the oh. distinction. Oh, you're disturbed about this. Hey, look, when I was 11, 12 years old, I was a Beatles fanatic. You know, just deal with that. You can't accept that. All no, right. there's a lot of I can't accept. You know, and liberals would say I'm not synthesized with my Gestaltian emotions. All right, so our, well, I'm not. <laughs> so our podcast listeners are now on their treadmill saying, why won't these guys move on to the topic? Right? Just move on. That's yeah, all I'm asking. Talk about violence. It's yes, that's be right. Good, okay? it's, yeah, trust us. It'll be good. Lots of violence. <laughs> this is rated R. Okay. Anyway, uh, point is that you know in those in those days, nonviolence, nonviolence, and now there there is a rejection of that notion. It's it's really interesting. People pay lip service to the idea of nonviolent protests or peaceful uh, rallies and things like that, but in reality. Even in the ones that don't get violent, they are very caustic, right? It, it, the Women's March, good example, right? There, there were a couple of confrontations here or there, but it was not famous for being a physically confronting uh, organized or, or march. But it was very much a hostile march, wasn't it? It was an in-your-face sort of march. Uh, the, what, what's her name? The um, Ashley Judd woman. The nasty woman. Okay, why, why, why don't we stick to my Liverpudlian accents and keep your Ashley Judd to yourself. Thank you. <laughs> That's right. Please. No brain. <laughs> you know what? what woman. When some of our listeners repeat the listening, they'll know to skip this little portion. I'm giving them a little time to do so. <laughs> All right. The point is that, that it was such a screed from Ashley Judd. It was angry, anger, anger, anger. Now, you know, when you talk about Martin Luther King, you talk, uh, Junior, you, you talk about uh, Mahatma Gandhi. Not only do they say nonviolent protest, but they are focusing on persuasion. And yes, they're forceful in their language, but they're not angry. They don't practically say, you know, go out and start burning things, right? I mean, you, you, can, you can be nonviolent and yet encourage very violent things in your tone your, and your rhetoric at the same time, you right? You mean like Madonna at the Women's yes. March that says, I want to blow up the White House. And like Linda Sarsour, who led the Women's March and is famous for saying she wanted to sexually mutilate further Hirsi Ali, who was already sexually mutilated. Right. Oh, God, it's so disgusting. It's, so, it's, it's, it's so perverse. And it only kind of creates and fosters this notion that violence is okay. Of course, so, so you're, you, you think you're engage, engaging in nonviolent protests, but in fact, you're just setting the seeds for much more violence later on. And then, of course, you have uh, the, the, the Baltimore riots, for example, after those six uh, people with the Freddie Gray uh, death, and where she's, the mayor said, we gave them room to destroy, as if somehow that's a legitimate thing. Where's the nonviolent protest, right? That's right. What's happening? Where has that gone? You know, it's, it's like uh, that song, Where Have All, all the p p Cowboys Gone, right? It's, the question is, where's, where have all the nonviolent protests gone? Yeah, the people who just link arm in arm and sing, we shall overcome and, yeah. you know, let's be better people. And Baltimore is very important because if you look at, say, the Michael Brown Ferguson riots, that's a riot in a particular neighborhood and they're burning down liquor stores and doing all this looting and uh, it's terrible. And it, the media is encouraging it and all that stuff. But Baltimore was at a new level because there was a scene out of Baltimore where families were at the Camden Yards baseball stadium for a baseball game. And the rioters attacked families with children at the restaurant surrounding the baseball stadium yeah. on live TV with no second thought about it. 
Yeah. And the play, and of course, Mayor, whatever her name is, Blake, Raleigh, Rawkins, whatever, mm-hmm. said we gave them the moon to destroy because she ordered the police to stand down and not protect those families. Right. So oh, yeah. yeah violence the, the, is being rewarded with yeah. inaction by the police. And the room to destroy, of course, you, you had that image. You know, it, it, she didn't say, uh, when, when she says room to destroy, you're thinking about things, right? Restaurant windows, um, you know, tearing up chairs cars. and cars and things yeah. like that, you know, but... But Room to Destroy really meant, because it wasn't as if it was some sort of ghost town or a Hollywood set, right, where you can go crazy and let's have some fun. Yeah. No, it, there, it turns out there were human beings involved also, people who were really hurt in the process. She didn't say, uh, and she couldn't have said, we gave them room to, to murder. We gave them room to, to really maim, uh, like, like what happened in the 1992 two riots. So the question now becomes, where has this come from? This new mentality of violence is A-OK, right? And not, not just violence as, as we're thinking of it in terms of throwing things at each other, but also blockading traffic, right? Disrupting traffic uh, and, and just kind of making life difficult and, and encouraging people to just stop work and to be hostile to each other. Where does this all come from? I'll tell you. Three simple letters. Ready? P-L-O, and similar organizations. Terrorism, which started really in in full force in the early 70s. There there was terrorism before, but organizations that were doing terrorism, that were effectuating it by, by, in Europe especially, they were successful. They did terrorize. That, that is the very root of the word terrorism, right? The whole goal is to terrorize and to effectuate some sort of supine response. Yeah, political change. Right, uh, by, by as terrorizing. As a result of violence. Yeah, terror, a, a form of extortion, right? Yeah. So uh, Europe used to be very pro-Israel through the er- very early 70s until the PLO and others like them started engaging in terror in Europe and started terrorizing them. And very quickly, the cowards called the Europeans said, oh, we'll do anything you want, okay? We, we agree not to be so supportive of Israel anymore, okay? In fact, we hate them, okay? We, and we're with you, All right? Which of course led to a lot more immigration of, of Arabs and Muslims into, into Europe for all sorts of other reasons as well, including the, uh, the bastardization known as socialism and, and all the difficulties that socialism uh, enjoys. But nevertheless, horrible things start happening in the process and terrorism starts working. Now, in America, we, we still say that dog don't hunt with us. We don't respond to terror. We don't give him the blackmail. You know, good for us, right? And we elected Donald Trump to prove it. Yeah, well, thank but God. thank God. But, but even before... Our, our mantra in America, at least, you know, and, and depends, you know, is with, with different degrees of enforcement, but the official policy is we don't, we don't, uh, we don't bend to anybody. Yeah, we don't okay. negotiate with terrorists. We don't agree with terrorists. Well, this is our agreement with terrorists. You terrorize, you die. Right. And, and that's the way it should be. And that's the way it was with the Barbary pirates, right, way back in the old days of the founding uh, of, our, of our nation. And it, but, but this is beginning to, this sort of, attitude, this form of terror, that's what we're seeing now in Berkeley and the torture in Chicago and uh, Baltimore, the Freddie Gray. Brock, are you saying that the attitudes of Muslim terrorism have bled into the college campus activists and then bled out into the street activists of America using the same techniques and attitudes as Islamic terrorists like Yasser Arafat of the PLO? Question mark? I'm saying the very same. Yes, that's right. I'm, I'm boldly saying that we are learning from these monsters. That works for them is what they are saying to themselves. And we get to disrupt, we get to destroy, and people have to listen to us. And the universities, which are little embassies of Europe, if you want, okay? <laughs> little European embassies. Yeah. They do exactly what Europe has done in the 70s and 80s, which is to bend over 
and say, and I don't mean it in the in the graphic ugly way. I mean bend over like a like a blade of grass. Yeah, he doesn't mean in the terms of homosexual congress. He means in terms of submission to the agitator. That's right. Whether it was the SDS or the Weathermen or any other number of violent campus activists of, of the 60s and 70s who would take over buildings and demand change on campus or else. Right. And it begs the question, is there anything, any issue uh, regarding uh, social issues of the day, whether it's transgenderism, homosexual marriage, or anti-Israelism, or anything else, which the university says, I don't care what you guys think. I don't care how many of you there are protesting it. We stand by this issue X. And then you see the flagpole, and, and they draw a red line, and all the good stuff that you would yeah, expect. and they call it the National Guard of Kent State if you right. cross that. There is no such issue unless you're talking about maybe Hillsdale College or some other conservative, you know, a known conservative yeah, university. Call that at Bob Jones University. But they wouldn't have it there because right. they wouldn't do that in the first place, right? Yeah. So, uh, because Bob Jones or, or Hillsdale College yeah, or for the that, Citadel. or or Brigham Young University, they're they're smart enough to, to you know, they, that's not what they're there for, right? right? But for the for the liberal schools, there is, whether it's Stanford, Berkeley, Harvard, you you name it, Wisconsin. Uh, there's, there's not going to be an issue where the university faculty will say, we must stand for something and we disagree with you students and tough crap if you don't like it. That, that is stuff that you'll never see. Okay? And that's why they're just like the Europeans. These guys are a bunch of pansies. And I say that in the most disrespectful manner I can. Yeah, you're not talking about the flower there. You're talking no. about the... Um it's an insult to the pansies. That's right. Right. So uh, they they are learning from the terrorists, and the European uh, the, the universities are just like the Europeans in response to them, and it's working. That's the danger. It's and and these universities are and to some extent, some of our liberal cities are responding the same way. Little Europe's, each one of them. Fortunately, it's not the entire country, not yet at least. And thanks to, to Donald Trump, there's a, there's, a new, uh, there's a new sense of vitality where we say, look, this dog don't hunt mentality. And I, and I like that. Uh, the wall is such a good example of that. And, he's, and, and the, damn the torpedoes. You can say that it's racist all day long you want. But you know what? We, we have a country. And if, there, if, there's, if there's something to be meant by having a country, it means that we have to enforce our borders. And we haven't been doing it. And now we're going to be doing it. And there's a lot of clamoring about it, and they, they think it's so outrageous. Well, you know what? F you. Okay? I don't care if you like it. And that's what a part of a great leader does. It's one of the definitions of a great leader is to say, I don't care if you like it. Yeah, it's, it's to, be, a, to be hated by the right people. Right. It's, it's a, it's, oh, by the way, it's a, one of the great definitions of being a parent is to tell your child, I don't care. I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to be your dad. I'm here to be your mom. That's the way it works, okay? And you know better than your children do. That, that, that should go without what I was saying, all right? And there are certain guiding principles in our great country which are better than your emotions that are, are Pollyannish, naive, and, and frankly dangerous, okay? And, and, and the irony of it all is if you actually got your way, you wouldn't be able to enjoy all the freedoms and the complaining that you're now engaging in today. You know, what a brilliant point, because what that point you just made exposes that for the last 200 and some odd years, we've had this nation based on these principles that are, in essence, there to constrain the emotional whims and excesses of human beings who have these things called emotions, which are ancient, primitive urges, yeah. right? Yep. Well, if we were to give into the 1960s baby boomer gestaltian, who used the word twice today, uh, uh, psychotherapeutic uh, urges to let everything be governed by your, uh, by your feelings, not only do we lose the country we have because we erode its principles, but we bring upon, and we see it on the college campus, we see it uh, on the streets when there's a riot, we see it with Black Lives Matter or any of these terroristic uh, activities disguises lift, leftist thought and, and street protests and agitation, you bring up the most primitive and despicable and um, uh, frankly barbaric behaviors of human beings that we all have within us that need to be constrained. Yeah. 
Look, we talked before about, and this, we're moving on to another topic, and it's about bravery to some extent. And this is perfect. What you just said kind of bleeds really nicely into, into this. And it's the notion of, we talk about heroes to some extent. We, Martin Luther King can be construed as a hero to many people. Uh, even Mahatma Gandhi, uh, to a lesser extent. I think Martin Luther King Jr., by the way, was more of a hero than Mahatma Gandhi uh, for a whole, whole bunch of reasons. I don't want to get to that. But my biggest hero of at least the civil rights days, who do you think that is? Just take a guess. I'll let our listeners take a moment and think about what my guess is going to be. But when I say it, you'll say, yeah, it's a really good point. Moses? No, no, I'm talking about civil rights of our time, uh, you know, the, the 60s, 50s. That sort of thing. I don't know. Rosa Parks. Oh, yes. She was, she's a real hero to yeah. me. Because she wasn't a professional. <laughs> she wasn't a professional. She didn't have a whole bunch of people lining up for her. She simply said, I ain't moving from the back of this. Uh, I'm not moving to the back of this bus. Okay? And if you don't like it, tough crap. Okay? And, and, uh, and she was arrested for it. She didn't have a whole bunch of, you know, a cadre of people that, and, and a bunch of cameras following her. But the world followed her anyway. Right. No media. No posse. No yeah. crew. Yeah. And no she nothing. just, just she her. just stood her ground. And I, I got to tell you, it's awesome. By the way, women are very much on uh, some of the greatest heroes of a lot of these movements, including the anti-slavery movement. Generally speaking, they're the ones. They are the ones. They, they, they say that 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 ain't right, and they somehow kind of galvanize. There's something unique about women in this department, and we'll have to explore that one day. But let's talk about bravery. That was an example of bravery. But I, I put it to you that we don't really know bravery. And we were talking about these university professors and how they're so not brave that, that they just bend over like, like a blade of grass. And the question is why? Why, why are people not brave anymore? And I'll, I'll tell you this. You cannot know real bravery until you know God. If you do not have God in your life, you will never be a brave person. Okay? Let me repeat. Without God... No bravery. Okay, how is this? How can I say such a thing? Well, you know, I, I'm an atheist, as somebody will say, and I, and I consider myself a brave person, and I, I saw somebody being a bully to another person, and I stood up to that person. No, no, no. That's not real bravery in the sense that I'm talking about. I'm talking about that we crave heroes, but the heroes are people that stand up and say, and have, they have an absolute line in the sand. They have an absolute sense of morality. They, they are confident about the Ten Commandments as they speak, as they take action in life. You can, if you don't have that, your bravery at best will be incidental, shall we say, to use the previous phrase. It'll be collateral. Once in a while, you'll stumble onto bravery. But bravery has to be active. You can't just wait for that moment that you see some woman in distress and then you would jump in to protect her. Okay, that, that, that's great if you do, by the way. But bravery that I'm talking about, that you're talking about, Ari, is the kind of bravery where you actively go out and you pursue it. I mean, this podcast, to some extent, is, is an act of bravery, not as... Not on, as your, on your part, because you have a reputation <laughs> associated with me. Uh, but but, but, it, but it's, it's nothing compared to Rosa Parks. I mean, right? right? She, she, I mean, I, and I don't want to even put myself in the same league as her. She's an amazing woman. Yeah. Or, uh, or what Winston Churchill had to do, or what George Washington had to do. Uh, but it's still, nevertheless, it's an active step. Uh, we, we do get flack uh, from the show, as a result of the show, rather, uh, you know, how can you take these positions? People are outraged about some of our positions. I don't think they should be, but there it is. Yeah. Likewise, on my Sunday show, uh, with, with, which has a huge audience at this point, but, you know, it, it's an act of courage just to go on the radio and to speak about conservatism, generally speaking, to speak about God, because God expects these clear divisions between good and evil, expects you to fight against uh, the notion of crime, that, that, that it fights you... That, that you should fight for decency, family values, uh, you know, for the notion of what is good. But all that, all that is nonsense. These days, what matters is, you know, the, the real heroes today, when you think about them, they're bizarre ones. They're usually sports athletes. They're actors. You know, suddenly Meryl Streep is a hero because she complained about Donald Trump 
or, or people who've decided to come out of the closet. Somehow they're a hero now, yeah. right? Someone who works in West Hollywood yeah. says, I'm brave because I'm declaring my homosexuality. Yeah. That's yeah. more conformist than anything. And, and the other thing <laughs> That's is, true. generations ago, when it was sports heroes, like Jim Brown or, or Jackie Robinson, yeah, those yeah. guys deserve to be worshipped yeah. as role models. Because, you know, breaking the color barrier was no joke. No, they, they had to actually deal with in, incredible resistance within their leagues and everything else. But, but even that was not such a, it's nothing compared to what George Washington had to do, what uh, Martin Luther King had to do, and, and so on. Or the uh, guys who stormed the beach in Normandy. For, for, bingo, exactly. And it's not, by the way, not all heroes have to do with uh, race relations, right? I mean, it, that's everyone talks about that. They pay lip service to that. And, and there are many important heroes in that department. But there are a tremendous number of, of heroes who had, to, who had to fight in so many other ways. Even Einstein, to some extent, was a hero because he, he resisted everything that was out there. I mean, imagine the resistance that he got. Uh, and I forget the, the famous priest who presented the Big Bang theory, uh, you know, theory of the, the creation of the universe. That was brave. I mean, he was the only one saying this. And, and of course, he was proven right. Um, but, but other heroes of the day are... What's the uh, Bruce Jenner? I'm, I refuse to call her, call him uh, Caitlyn Jenner, and I refuse to call him a her either. It's nonsense. I, I'm not. You're, I'm not going to play this game. And and I love when people write me and say that's outrageous. I'm a, I'm incensed by this. Oh, you know what? Boo. Yeah, boohoo. But the only person who who can have that is is Bruce Jenner himself. Come talk to me if you don't like it. Okay? I don't give a crap what you who are not Bruce Jenner have to say about it. Okay? Bruce Jenner, you don't like it? Call me. Okay. By the way, Bruce Jenner likes Trump, so he can't be that stupid. Right, exactly. All right? <laughs> Another guy who's, who's brave, and this might be a deviation from the... Wait, wait, okay, can I just say one... Oh, uh, please hold on, because I wanted to, to say... And then we can talk about who the real heroes are. Uh, another example of people that they claim to be heroes are Edward Snowden, or even Che Guevara, or Castro... Or, or Mao. Or Bernie Sanders. Oh, yeah, that's right. Bernie Sanders. God, <laughs> God help us all. It is three houses. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, and all these TV characters that are really just so metrosexual and such, these are the heroes somehow. They don't do anything. They're, they're not heroes. In what way can they possibly be heroes? Uh, all they are are merely reflections of the, the feminization of men, generally speaking, who take no action, who tell the teacher on the bully instead of actually fighting the bully. There are no heroes in the same sense. Trump, to some extent, is a hero. He, he, I mean, really, I, I admire the man. All the, all the resistance that he's got, yes, is he brash? You betcha. But you know what? That comes with a territory with somebody who's able to speak his mind. And if you want somebody who doesn't, who's always parsing his words, you'll get a man named uh, Romney, okay? Who, yes, I voted for him, uh, certainly against Obama, but he was a very weak candidate as a result of his constant efforts to, to backpedal and everything else. And please, everyone. And the Always other, pleasing. The other thing that's impressive about Trump is, think about this. Talk about courage. Courage is when you're wealthy and you bet it all. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. This is an, a man who's in an industry based on reputation. Okay? And we don't know what his business interests are going to be like in eight years with who's, who's going to be willing to work with him as a post-presidency. Yeah. And this is a man who put his entire family fortune for his kids and grandkids on the line for this. Yeah. All for the good of his country. Yeah. That's heroism. Yeah, he's, he's, he a, he's a true patriot. Yeah, and the guy at Tiananmen Square, and I mentioned the God thing only because we can't know whether or not his form of Buddhism or whatever, whether he was ever allowed to know God. I have a feeling God was speaking to him. That guy who was standing with a little white flag in front of that tape. Yep. And I was looking at my phone. That's why I was looking down because someone put together this awesome meme. It's, you know, those, those memes that you see in uh, office um, inspirational art. It shows like a golf hole and it says courage or an eagle plucking a trout from a stream and it says something like grace. <laughs> That's right. Crap, right. Yeah, exactly. This one is so brilliant. It shows the guy at Tiananmen Square standing in front of the tank. And it says depression in big letters at the top. And then underneath its small letters, it says, knowing no matter what you do in life, you'll never be as epic as this guy. <laughs> That's true. And how yeah. true is that? Yeah. That guy is, because you know his end was not a firing squad or being run over or being shot. 
you know he was taken somewhere and tortured. Yeah. For hours or days or months. Yeah, that's right. To inflict maximum amount of humiliation and agony on him. Yeah. So and and for him to stand up knowing that, yeah. that's courage. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. Uh, what um, what Ronald Reagan did was courage. I mean, again, he had the, the backing of the United States. I, I agree. There was no real threat of death to, to Ronald Reagan, but nevertheless, understanding this this world that was about to descend upon him, people thought that World War III was about to erupt uh, as a result of uh, Reagan calling the Soviet Union the evil empire that it was, and and you know building up the military enterprise as he had to do in order to defeat them. Uh, and there's so many other great examples of these great, great heroes uh, in, in wartime, especially people who, who throw themselves on grenades, uh, people who go out there alone uh, and kill 20 bad guys at the same time, knowing that, that they're risking everything. Or the, the, the great guy from Hacksaw Ridge, um, Dows, I think it was his private Dows yeah. from that movie. 75 guys in an evening? Yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah. An incredible, incredible man. These are true heroes, and and they're heroes that if they if if they're doing one of two things, either they're fighting against all odds from a physical point of view, and their lives are truly at stake, or they're fighting an ideology where the world is just descending upon them with throwing phrases like racism, which are so loaded these days and and so so horrible. I mean, they can really break a man, but if you just hold to your to your own, you will prevail. And this is that. That's what requires. Uh, so that's that's what bravery is, and it can only be done with God in the picture. Only, if you don't have God in the picture, it means that your morality, your notion of what is right and wrong, it's constantly a floating point. There is there is there's no reference point. It's 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 crazy. It's, it's like a, like a, we always use this metaphor of a sailboat in the middle of an ocean, and you just go wherever the wind or, or wherever the waves may take you. Okay, you can operate that way, okay? But bravery requires understanding where you are, where you wanna go, and going through that tempest storm and all the big waves and pulling the sails, making sure that you do it and do it right and get there the right way. Damn the torpedoes, all that has to come from God. And if you know what is right from the, the notion of, of uh, the Ten Commandments, your notion that there's a separation between good and evil, that there's a separation between man and woman, there's a separation between America and the, and the rest of the world. If you, if you know these things, you can only know them because you have God in the background. I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks for listening. We'll talk with you next week.